Hello to everyone listening. I am Nathan, and welcome to the Sea Brilliance Podcast. In this podcast episode, you will hear an amazing story told by an amazing person. And hopefully the story that they will share will reveal something about your life and will encourage the brilliance that resides in you. So let's listen together. Tell me about yourself. Well, first, my name is Kenzra Lavelle. Typically go by Rob, but originally from Chicago, Southside, Inglewood to be specific, i.e. the trenches, you know what I'm saying? Born and raised on the Southside, went to uh, Kenwood Academy, played ball. That's where I got the Gates Millennium Scholarship. That's such an open-ended question, but I would definitely say the, the, the streets of Chicago, just the grind culture of Chicago, the, you got to have a chip on your shoulder, Chicago, to make it, especially in Inglewood. That really developed me into who I was so I can like really persevere because it was a lot of stuff. You know, I come from humble beginnings, homeless, like displacement, jumping from school to school. So never really got a chance to like build like childhood friends for real. But the funny thing is me going to so many different schools, like I know a lot of people in the city and Chicago's already a small city, low key. Like it's a huge, but at the same time, especially on the south side, it's very small. So me getting to go and like be at different schools. And sometimes I was only at school for like one or two months before I had to transfer because I was going to a different school because I was going to a different shelter or whatever. Like I, I met a lot of people and got close with a lot of people, but I knew like during middle school or elementary school, like I didn't want that same lifestyle. So before I can even say, yeah, I went to Kenwood Academy, I would say like that upbringing, it really made me grind. Like I, I really wanted to be like, this lifestyle isn't for me. I know that I don't want, you know, whenever I have a family to go through that. So Kenwood Academy was literally the stomping grounds to really bring out the ACA, you know, the scholar in me. I pledged Alpha, but I was in Kappa League. A lot of people don't know that. But it was there when I realized because of my grades, I got into this elite program and they allowed me to go to Panama, Aguaduce, or Aguaduce, Panama. And I got a chance to see a different part of the world only at like 15, 16 from Chicago, Inglewood. And that was super rare. Like to do that, coming from where I came from, like I got a chance to leave the country at such a young age. And it really showed me that education is really like that trampoline or could be that stepping stool to see the world and go different places. So that experience was definitely life changing. That was probably one of my biggest and earliest defining moments. And I let that power me to like really finish strong at Kenwood, get that elusive Gates Millennium Scholarship that me and you both, you know, share same class. And the rest was history. Uh, I went to Morehouse, graduated with a physics degree, math minor. And it's so funny. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but Morehouse wasn't even my first selection. Like I heard about it from that animated series that, you know, they had us watch in school on MLK Day when he transformed from a real person. I forget the name of it, but I think it's like Becoming Malcolm or something. I mean, Martin or something. I heard about it then and I was like, oh, this thing's pretty cool. I was trying to use Morehouse, people don't know, to get to USC to go do aerospace engineer because that's what I want to do. And they had that 3-2 program, but I got waitlisted and I was like, okay, Morehouse seemed pretty cool. Barack Obama, I think if he hadn't done that commencement speech, that's another thing that got me there. I was like, you know, first black president is getting an inaugural or some type of, you know, that honorary degree. And he's speaking there that something must be up. And then the last thing, the last straw that got it really, really got me there was um, high school counselor, uh, 
she was telling me how a lot of people went to Morehouse and then MIT and USC and like basically you get the best of both worlds. And for me, that that's what really sealed it. So, you know, went to Morehouse. Phenomenal time, man. Met people like you. I heard your podcast from with Logan. Met Logan. That was my, you know, my boy, Xavier, Darian. Like, what a time to be alive. 2014 to 2018. Uh, Thirsty Thursdays. <laughs> you know, Toga. I guess, you know, there I really found myself. And I would say Morehouse, man, it was just life changing, like in so many different ways. I think that could be an episode on itself, in and of itself. But, you know, again, pledge a role. And I think with that experience, it's funny. I just want to touch on that because I had no interest in being a part of fraternity before I came. My sister was a Delta. No one knows that I actually joked around. And it's crazy I'm saying this, but I wore her Delta like Jackie, like, like joking around. Like, and she was so mad at me. Like, it was funny because like, what the, you know, what the F and, you know, this, that, and the third. And I was joking around with it, not understanding like, you know, what she had went through. So you know, when I decided I wanted to do it, she was the first person I called and we kind of joked around at that moment because she was like super upset. But then kind of going through the process and understanding how special it was and the people I met, I really got it. You know, I definitely had to give her an apology, but that was, you know, that was a great enhancement of just my experience being a part of that group of special brothers that, I, you know, I'm still kind of close to today. Not kind of, but I'm close to. And from there, went to NYU, you know. Got my degree in human-computer interaction, fancy word for product management, skills, design, and a little bit of front-end software engineer. That's what I did at NYU. And everything about the metaverse, that's kind of what I was studying from 2018 to 2020. And now I'm just, I guess, the pandemic, I graduated in 2020. It was crazy because, you know, I was looking for a job and it was very anxiety-producing because of just the state of the world, and let alone me just trying to finally get that elusive job, but God had other plans, you know, it, it, it was much harder because of just the, how the, the market just really shrunk. It really catapulted me into like a few odd jobs, but really just taking a stand on really becoming an entrepreneur, which is something I actually wrote in my high school yearbook that I just saw. Like I said, I want to start an engineering company and I want to do this. Like that was like my 10 year goal. Like where do I see myself in 10 years? And I think since we graduated in 2014, I still got two more years, but I guess I'm actually, you know, living it out. It's not an engineering company, so to speak, yet, but I'm being an entrepreneur. So this has been a wild ride, but I would say, you know, kind of where I'm at now and just looking back and just taking this time to reflect, I think I would make my like high school self proud, but that was a super long one to answer. But I mean, that's kind of me in a nutshell. I could have went down a whole bunch of different rabbit holes, but, and, and you know, in a, in a nutshell, that's Kendra. But I guess the interview's over. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I said, I, I answer I really, If you got another question after that, that's that would be crazy. Let's hear it, though. I want to go back to your childhood because it, it may relate to you know other people who are experiencing you know transition and not being able to find or like plant themselves. And so you know, what was important to you back then, growing up in Chicago? Is there anything about your childhood that is applicable now? It's like two things and they, they sound very generic, but again, like being in a situation of displacement and homelessness, like it's really not. And the first thing is just like keeping like my mom and I, I really do appreciate her and love her to this day. She really um instilled the principle of just love, you know, 
And what I mean by that is just keeping a loving heart because, you know, Chicago is known for its cold winters on the Windy City, that that chill front that it'll literally kind of make you crazy when that negative five and negative 10 smacking in the face. And so imagine that, but then not really having access to heat or, you know, things like that. Like it could make even a child just angry inside because you don't know why you're kind of going through this. Like it's not really you don't fully understand that. But, you know, just instilling love in our heart and making sure that we wasn't we weren't projecting like our current situation in the form of hate or being just not a, you know, nice person or just mean because of what we were going through in our personal challenges, you know, that stood out to me. And I, I carried that with with me. I Actually, she taught us love, truth, peace, freedom and justice. And that was kind of part of my like Islamic um, religion and my upbringing. But um, that love really, you know, she she always say loves con- love conquers all. That was true then. And that's definitely true now. And you can see it in the world, like what's going on now and kind of like how there's a lack of that. But I do believe um, it sounds kind of like Cali or like fairy ish But if people can learn to love, I do think a lot of stuff will be different. I would say that and really not to get too much into it, but like my mom, she writes songs and poems and stuff because she had a very, you know, interesting and challenging upbringing herself. And she always used to tell us highest heights are gained by those who reach the greatest depths. So again, like highest heights are gained by those who reach the greatest depths. So regardless of whoever you are, like you have to go to those those greatest depths. And the interesting thing about that, because that's also applicable to me to this very day, is that I thought that during the time in which I was kind of going through the rough upbringing, that those were my lowest depths. But again, just recently, it was it literally full circle. I realized that life is a circle like it's it comes around and like I'm like, man, I made it through. And the lowest depths was my childhood. And I'm kind of going to those highest heights, getting a Gates Millennium Scholar, graduating, getting to go to school for free. And like, OK, I'm going to just reach the highest heights. But then, you know, in 2020, due to like, you know, everybody had a crazy time. I feel like in 2020 losing my some of my close friends and best friends. And I was at a low point in my life for sure. And I was like, man, I thought I already had experienced my lowest depths. And at that moment I had realized and that saying that came back to me that, you know, not only highest heights are gains by those who reach the greatest depths, but it's a continual process. It's a cyclical process of that happens and that's going to continue to happen. I would definitely say like those two things, just like having love but I, you know, love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice, but specifically love instilled in my heart and to lead with love because I know it conquers all. It was definitely that. And then highest heights are gained by those who reach the greatest depths. I think those two things are like, that's what's, that's stuck with me. That's kind of a core part of like who I am and how I kind of keep, try to keep that chip on my shoulder and stay gritty because, you know, what I'm doing is, you know, I don't think it's for the faint of heart. And the experience I had, it wasn't for the faint of heart. You know, some people went other ways, you know what I'm saying? Say that saying one more time, highest height to reach the lowest depths. Highest heights are gained by those who reach the lowest depths. You know, I was going to ask you next, you know, what is something significant about, you know, your life. But in that saying alone that your mother, you know, would share with you and then what you've already shared so far seen some good heights, but, you know, let's, let's talk on that for a second. You know, you have, you know, achieved this, 
Gates Millennium Scholarship, which for those who aren't familiar with the scholarship, the scholarship pays for students' undergraduate education, master's level education, and their PhD completely paid in full. And so being able to achieve something like that is liberating. So, you know, you and I have been able to achieve that. But then, you know, you mentioned being able to travel to a place like Panama at a lower age. And then you also, you know, becoming a member of uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And so, you know, what is something significant that you have not shared about your life that is that highest height? And what does that significant point in your life represent into what you're doing now? Because we, we've had to transition into love y'all in a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> I would say, funny enough, and I guess you are a part of this highest height, me getting the chance to go to South Africa, man. That's another like affordance that I had due to just, you know, hard work. And, you know, I wanted to be Valley Victorian at one point in time. And getting that experience, getting it paid by from, you know, Mrs. Oprah Winfrey herself, you know, it was a a life changing experience on so many different levels. And again, I think even this experience can be podcast worthy, like full episode worthy. But I think at that point, going to Tabletop Mountain and literally kind of scanning the the time in which it was a day because we was there for like a month. And I went to Tabletop Mountain and to see that view up top. You know, I really felt like if if heaven exists and, you know, people say heaven and hell is a state of mind. I really felt like if it does exist and if it is on earth, this is what heaven looks like when I was able to see at the top of, you know, the mountain, like just really the beautifulness. It's hard to even describe in words, but I'm sure you can relate, you know, having you been, you know, been there as a exchange student. But it was so beautiful to see. And to me. It wasn't even just the beauty. It was the contrast, right? Because that same day, we got a chance to pass out condoms and like different pamphlets that had education on how to prevent HIV AIDS because it is a pandemic in South Africa. And to go in some of those rural neighborhoods and communities and see how they were living. Again, it was that same saying that came back to me, you know, highest heights are gained by those who reach the greatest depths and I was able to contextualize that because though my greatest depths to me could be someone highest heights, you know, is all contextual. And I really felt privileged and grateful that I was even on this excursion, being able to talk to some of these people where if you take a step forward, take a step to the left, take a step back and take a step to the right. That was literally their their house or their their tents, metal tents, things that if you push it hard enough, it can break. And they were standing in these places when it was raining and all type of, you know, climate. And, you know, I'm like, man, I used to be homeless. And sometimes I would self-pity if I'm being honest. But, you know, me getting that experience and to go literally, quite literally from the lowest depths in, in, a, in the motherland to the highest heights on Tabletop Mountain, I felt like a new appreciation for that saying. And it really empowered me to always know that while I won't really, you know, whatever I go through in the future from this point when I when I was up there in 2016, I won't belittle it and act like it doesn't matter because I do want to be in tune with my emotions. But also know that, you know, there are people going through the same thing as me and I I felt empowered and I kind of kept that 
strength. And I think that was my superpower to kind of always put one foot in front of the other, no matter what's going on, because I want to lead by example and be strong for people who may be going through something 10 times as worse as me. That highest height, man, that that was the one that really I was able to put that in my kind of like my belt or tool kit to be like, when I'm going through a tough time, you know, remember this, remember this stark contrast and know that, you know, you have to contextualize your your highest heights and greatest depths because at the end of the day, it, it can and will get better. You know, I live in America, so that alone, I have a lot of privileges and the ways to kind of get through it. Not saying it's going to be any easier and not to like, again, belittle my struggles and my things I go through, but it empowers me to know that people who are going through things that I believe is much worse than me are still carrying on and figuring out a way to make it happen. So that's definitely something that uh, I guess an experience that uh, I didn't really share that's, I would call a highest height. That's a height right there, being on top of that, that mountain. If you are not familiar with uh, Table Mountain, South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa, you know, the moment to go and Google it, I mean, just to look at the images and you know, potential videos as well, and you'll be inspired by God's creation. And so tell us about Love Y'all. It was a concept that I feel like I had been working on. My boy Darian, who was great, you know, gracious enough to let me kind of stay with him after I graduated. We had kind of came up and we were thinking about ideas. We had had an idea to create a company called Quantum Key. Basically, we wanted to kind of solve people's solutions, technical solutions, and kind of be almost like a consulting business. And while it didn't work out, I think that was a time for me, you know, because, you know, he's a grad student and, you know, I was still kind of looking for jobs and stuff. So while we didn't, we weren't able to really get any momentum. I do think that was a powerful time in my life because I was able to really, I would say Darian wouldn't agree. Well, he would agree, but he's had enough of it. But that being up up, up north in uh, Ithaca, New York, when there, there's, there's really nothing to do but, you know, to study and to think and to, you know, deliberate and be in your own thoughts. I got a chance to really do that for the first time in a way that I haven't done it because of just being around family and having a big family and stuff. Everybody wants your attention. But to be up there and start to think about these ideas and stuff, I just kept them and I kept iterating on them. And then I got a chance to come back to L.A. In 2021, beginning in 2021, I lost my sister-in-law due to health related reasons. Around the time of the funeral, they were saying how, you know, she lost a battle with COVID, but it was because, you know, it was popular. It was it was really known knowledge at the time that it was wiping out our people, you know what I'm saying? Especially people, I mean, African-Americans, but all people of color, it was, you know, disproportionately wiping us out because we already had these health, personal health plights we were going through even before COVID-19 hit the scene. So she was one of the people who were, had succumbed to that battle. And, you know, that really it hit me different and it hurt really bad because I feel like her being not even 45, like early 40s, she had so much life to live. And my niece, her mother, you know, I, I, was, I saw the look in her face and I felt somewhat responsible because I feel like, you know, she had like these like her lifestyle, specifically like what she was eating. I think if we had banded together or at the time, I felt like if I had reached out more and like helped her out because I was considering myself a health nut. I've, all, I've been vegan, you know, veganish or vegetarian my whole life. I could have helped her out in that arena, but it was too late. You know what I'm saying? And that really hit me. And I feel like that was really the birth of Love Y'all. Like I wanted to create like a company where 
I can really focus on solving people's problems around the health, fitness and wellness space. And by wellness, I really mean on three levels, like physically, mentally and spiritually for those who you know cared about that or believe in that. So right now, man, it's funny because with Love Y'all, I see it almost like Google or Alphabet. Like I want to do several things under the name Love Y'all. And the first venture that I I started was Love Y'all Food because again, that the situation that happened with my sister, I feel like I'm a health nut. I play ball and I'm in the gym, but everybody can't do that and everybody don't have those luxuries. However, most of us are afforded to be able to put something in our belly every night. We can eat every night. And so if I can help create a solution around how we can eat things that can help us live longer, then maybe other families don't have to you know, go through what I went through and what our, my family I went through when we lost my sister at a tender age of 40. You know, So during that time, I was kind of contemplating between do I want to put on like med school? And I don't think I told anybody this. I wanted to be a doctor. I was taking like classes to be a doctor or like do something like I wanted to do software engineering. But because of just the job market and just the way things were going, I feel like God had put me through several experiences, including the loss of my sister to be like, this is what you need to be doing. And so once I had made up my mind, that's when I like, love y'all with the help of my friend, Ricky, who really pushed me and like, man, you should really do something with food, even if you want to somehow figure out how to combine food and technology since you like technology a lot too. And that's why I'm like, you know what, you're right. And I just, from there it was history. Like, I'm like, okay, I want to create a suite of solutions. Just like Amazon has like Audible, Prime, you know, they have so many different services. Jeff Bezos has a spaceship coming, like Blue Origin, I think. So he he does a lot of stuff. And not that I want to be anything like Jeff Bezos, but I feel like what if I can create something that's solely centered around like health, wellness, and fitness solutions. And that's what Love Y'all is about. And right now we're kind of tackling and honing in on this food aspect and really just trying to enhance people's education and experience around plant-based food specifically, because you can do the research yourself, but there are tons of data coming out of leading research, research institutions like Harvard, like Cornell, like a lot of elite places that says when you eat more of a plant-based diet, It has positive implications on your life, i.e. that it can help. You know what I'm saying? It's not guaranteed, but it can help. It helps you avoid some of those diseases caused by non-transmissible metabolic diseases, heart disease, um, diabetes, type 2, high blood pressure. You can evade some of those things if you eat a more plant-based diet. And I think uh, specifically when you zone in and look at our people, like a lot of us just don't know that. And if we do, it's just like we're too lazy enough. And I'm I'm looking to create solutions to kind of tackle some of those issues because it is a multifaceted, multi-layer issue. It's not it's not easy. So um, that's what Love Y'all is about. But more specifically, like Love Y'all Food, which is kind of the first child of Love Y'all. We're, we're trying to tackle this this food problem this you know, food insecurity, food desert. You know, the list goes on problem, especially as it relates to people of color and marginalized groups. For people who have ideas and, and visions of wanting to start things and they might stop because of time and, you know, not having, you know, the proper community and support to get them to continue to go. And so you, you've shared with us the vision and what has led to you starting Love Y'all and, you know, why that started and who, what, what examples you're looking at 
not to emulate, but to, you know, possibly embrace and conceptualize and so forth. And so, you know, what is one hope that you have for love y'all for what the future holds for you and love y'all? There's a few hopes. I hope somebody can write me a check for half a billion. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> uh, no, but I started, you know, and I still stand firm on this idea. I've told this to people um, who I've been close with, family, friends. Like one hope is is a meta goal, but it's still a hope of mine. I want love y'all. And I truly believe I can impact, positively impact one billion people. That's one, you know, that's one of my far reaching goals. Like if, if there's a way to impact one billion people in this world positively. And while I, I may not have a tracker on, hey, I helped that person, help that person. I think if I'm able to, you know, even help a hundred people, then over time, maybe that exponentiates into a billion, you know, I'm not going to be, and I'm not going to hire no one to like figure out how many people we've impact. But when I say a billion people, I guess I want to have a global impact because I've been a person that has global experiences going to Panama, going to Mexico, going to South Africa and other places where I've seen, you know, that people need help. People need help. I've devoted my life and I've, I finally have clarity on like what I want to ultimately do. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I think our generation get caught up in the it being so specific, but to me, it's not even about a super specific role. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't subscribe or like put myself in a box like that no more. And it was really challenging when I, when I did, but now it's just like this meta goal of like, I want to help people. I want to help people in this health, fitness and wellness arena. And hopefully I can have the impact of doing that for a billion people. I would say that's my one hope for love y'all in the future. Please do plug where people can find Love Y'all. Where do people go to find out more about Love Y'all? Sure. Right now we're on Instagram. So it's at Love Y'all Food, L-U-V-Y-A-L-L-F-O-O-D. At Love Y'all Food. We're on Facebook for any old heads out there. I don't know of our generation. (laughs) (laughs) But we're also going to be, you know, we're getting ready to start a TikTok too because I want to make sure I'm reaching the right crowd. And I know some of the the main people that I want to target are on TikTok. You know, you got to, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, So I want to make sure I I help and, you know, kind of help the younger crowd and to build healthier habits, you know, before they, you know, instill their own habits in their own lives. So that's where you can find love y'all at man. And we're going to, we also have a website, my bad www.loveyallfood.com is constantly being updated and iterated on. There's a lot of um, exciting stuff to come because uh, I think the last thing I'll say about it is I want to leverage and I'm going to leverage uh, technology. It's not, I think people here love y'all and even love y'all food and just think I want to do something like Burger King or KFC. Like it's, it's, it's definitely bigger than that. The vision is bigger than just a restaurant, you know, or even a chain of restaurants. It's like really enhancing the education experience and food experience and experience in general around this you know, plant-based lifestyle and how it can help each and every person. What is the last message that you would want to leave to the world? I would have to say, don't live to eat, you know, eat to live. The food is the medicine. 
people who are becoming vegan, you know, people who have eaten, been vegans for years, most centuries, I'm sure. What is the benefit of, I don't want to say that people who eat meat aren't clean eating. And I think sometimes that's like the stigma, but you know, what is the benefit, you know, for those who are encouraging people to, you know, become vegan or yeah. putting more greens and, and vegetables and fruits into our diets? Like what is the importance for us? And then let's speak directly to the black and brown community. I'm glad you said that because I really didn't want to end there either. I, I really wanted to. And I, I will I will tell you this. I will answer your question, but I want to I want to preface this, preface it with this. When I say plant based, I don't mean that you have to wake up because a lot of especially within our community, when people hear plant based vegan, let's just let's stick with plant based. They think, oh, I have to wake up. I can't eat my chicken no more. I can't eat my seafood. I can't eat, even eat my steak. Are you are you crazy? Are you nuts? And it's, that's not the point. At least that's not what we're trying to do at Love Y'all Food. I think the point, when you think of plant-based, you should think of plant-based in it meeting you where you're at. My idea of being plant-based is different than I think a lot of people's. I think to be plant-based is, is if you take a plate and you think of it as 100%, I would say you can have your 25 to even 30% meat. But if you fill your plate, the remaining of your plate, the remaining 70 to 75% of your plate with you got your legumes, your beans, your healthy starches, you know, your potatoes or, you know, sweet potatoes and your vegetables, whether they're steamed, whether it's a salad, then I think that's okay. I think it's all about moderation and progressing. I always say I try to get 1% better in my life. I think people sh- our people should try to be, to become 1% plant-based each day or maybe even half a percent. I think we have to meet people where they're at. People need to just don't try to go cold turkey because that's what a lot of people think. To answer your question now, because I just wanted to make that statement. When I say plant-based, I don't try to stuff down people throughout the agenda of like, you have to wake up, no, no meat anymore, be completely vegan, go raw, no even hot stuff, or you can't cook like People go to the extreme when they think that, but all it means is eating more vegetables because sometimes, and I've had friends who I go to their houses, they have all microwavable food, fries, all processed stuff filled with saturated fats and different fats and pizzas. And like, I'm like, man, where's your apple? Like not even fruit. You know what I'm saying? Kool-Aid and sugary drinks, Minute Maids, you know, simply like all of these things that are processed. And the really the importance for our people is because we historically have been known to be to have these these metabolic diseases such as diabetes and high blood pressure. I think everybody knows somebody who has, you know, high blood pressure. And that's not I won't just say that's a, a black people or African American community thing, but the rate at which we're dying because of us having these underlying issues like diabetes, like high blood pressure, is extremely more higher than, you know, counterparts. I want to also put into context it's, it's multifaceted and multilayered, like I said, because there are other outside and social economic factors that contribute to that. But we do have the power to be more healthy because when you eat plant more plant-based, Nathan, you're literally fueling your body the proper nutrients and you can actually heal yourself by doing that. You know, I won't get into the Dr. Sabies of the world and things of that Eastern medicine in general, but 
that's not all pseudoscience. You know what I'm saying? There are some truths in everything. And when you really look closely at the people who has the longest lifespan, and I've actually looked at this data, is Japan or somewhere in China. You look at their palate, it's food that's not processed. You know, we eat too much processed food. So when you eat plant-based, it's like taking some of the weight off your body of all of those processed foods, highly processed foods, highly addictive foods. And you're able to substitute where your body can be like, thank God I can actually act right and do all of my cellular processes right. And I can help you live your best life. And that's what plant-based, I believe, enables people to do. You said something when, you know, that you've been to a lot of people's homes and you just see nothing but processed and kind of this TV dinner food. Food insecurity, food apartheid is real and it does plague many underserved communities throughout the country. How is it that Love Y'all plans to partnership or you mentioned TikTok, but you know, what are ways to bring that awareness that speaks, you know, directly to those, you know, food apartheid, you know, or insecure communities that it it may be challenging to have access to to produce. It, it, it might be Absolutely. the first thing you might have is a McDonald's or something like that. But how do you speak or create awareness that these challenges do exist, but they don't have to further cripple or define your quality of life? I think there's several ways. I think what we're trying to do at Love Y'all Food is create these partnerships and me using my privilege, so to speak, of being able to be in institutions like NYU, Morehouse and affiliations with, you know, other schools that, you know, some of my friends and people like you are a part of, like University of Michigan. So we're trying to do things like create awareness, because I believe, you know, for the most part, if you have a family member that's in school and then they come back home and, you know, sometimes they have little to no say in like what's being eaten or or whatever, or what's, what's on the menu and stuff. But I think a lot of times, I know I act as that as like that beacon of information to kind of disseminate to my family. Like, yo, like this is what's up. This was going on. And, you know, they kind of looked to me because, you know, I was one of the first people that went to school and finished school. So I think, you know, you try to reach people who are in these positions where they're getting their higher education and teach them and talk to them so that it can be like that domino effect. You know, they can tell their friends, they can tell their mom, mom, you should be eating this or maybe encouraging them. Hey, I don't want to eat that tonight. Let's try to eat this. Hold, I learned how to do this. And so we're trying to get into schools where we can create organization and groups that can act as basically hubs on how to eat better with what you have. You know what I'm saying? Because I get it. I come from a place where there was literally only liquor stores and gas stations that had a whole bunch of honey buns and a whole bunch of junk food. And there wasn't no Whole Foods. I didn't know what a Trader Joe's was. I didn't know what a, you know, Whole Foods or like even like stuff like jewels. I don't know if anybody knows about that, but it's, it was very little to to no access to those healthy foods. But uh, we hope to do stuff like that and then also allow people to be their own farmers one day. You know, technology and the advent of technology has enabled people to create literally crops and farms where you can grow and reap what you sow, literally healthy, fresh produce. So. Um, whether it's doing stuff like that. And then I think just everyone leveraging what you have. I, I think we have to band together too, as a community, what I'm trying to do with friends that I have that's in the technology space and me, 
utilizing my skills is like leverage technology so that you can bridge those gaps. Like, yeah, you're not, you're far from it, but what if you, instead of creating another app that's around social media, why don't you create a ride sharing service where, you know, you're able to get picked up and go to your closest market and then come back all for a cheap price. Now, obviously that's easier said than done. I get that. But my point is that we have to start thinking critical about how to solve these problems and and allow technology to enable us to actually have a chance at solving these multi-layer, multi-faceted problems. I think those are just a few ways that people can do it themselves. Like you can be it's, you know, it's not impossible. You can go out and learn stuff and like try to make a difference because that's what I'm doing. And I'm not no different than anybody who's probably listening to this. It's just, it takes hard work. It takes sacrifice and it takes, I think, a community. And I think, you know, without going on too much of a tangent, that's what we need to foster more within our communities. Cause there's a lot of people, even in the hoods that I came from, that was extremely smart, but it's, it's kind of like waste, you know what I'm saying? People kind of go on a different path so we can band together you you never know what can happen, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, it's a political thing too. And, you know, so it's people that's lawyers. So it's about that community and we can really, we can really forge our own path to a healthier life. You know what I'm saying? The health of a nation, you know, when we think about our people, literally, you know what I'm saying? Because health is truly well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I think on that note, where can listeners find you online? Listeners can find me online. I'm on Twitter. I think it's at underscore Kenzra, K-H-E-N-S-U-R-A. I'm also on Instagram, I think, just at Kenzra, spelled the same way. And I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I have a personal website, klovell.tech, that I try to keep up to date. So that's K-L-O-V-E-L dot tech. So those are a few places you can find me, man. You know, I'm I try to steer away from social media, but I'm also I have a business, so I got to be on it. But you can always, you know, hit me up if you want to collaborate, you want to just talk, brainstorm. I'm always happy to help any way I can. Excellent. Thank you so much for everything in which you've shared. And until next time, thank you for participating in the Sea Brilliance podcast. Thank you. Peace. Thank you.